From the front office to the hard-hitting action on the field, breaking down all the NFL's biggest headlines, week-by-week game previews, to get you ready for each football Sunday. Every division, every conference, and all 32 teams, we've got you covered. This is the Gridiron on tap. Welcome back to the Gridiron On Tap Podcast. It's been such a long time and it feels so good to be back in the studio. A few things have changed. I got a new co-host on the show with me. We got a new website. Our graphics team is going crazy. We've got writers. Things have Change for the better at the Gridiron on tap. Before we get into the Thursday, Sunday, and Monday slate of games, I need to introduce you to the new voice of the Gridiron on tap. This is my man, my friend, Mr. Brandon Gunn. Brandon, welcome to the podcast, my man. Thank you so much, Danny. I'm so happy to be here. Excited about everything going on, both on the website and the content that we're pumping out, and looking forward to starting this podcast. Oh man, we've we got so there's so much news. I don't even know where to start. Let, let, we'll just start right now. Stefan Gilmore. Stefan Gilmore was. It was announced that he was released, <laughs> and then he was traded because the release doesn't go into effect until 4 p.m. on Wednesdays, and now he's a Carolina Panther. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's crazy. I didn't know that you could take back a release, essentially, because... Fingers crossed. Right, right. Um, you, everything came out. Stefan Gilmore was released, and all the speculation began as to what teams were going to pick him up, who was maybe short-staffed on the back end of their defense that really you know, he would fit in with. And then all of that speculation went to waste when a couple hours later, it was found out that he was traded for a six-round pick to Carolina. Once again... I didn't realize that you could take it back and make a move at that point. But, you know, good for New England um, to capitalize on on gaining something that was just going to be a straight release. Um, but it, it'll be exciting to see Stefan Gilmore in Carolina because with that J.C. Horn injury and, you know, everything that they've got going on with a defense that's playing tremendous, that's only going to help that squad out. It is. And for a sixth rounder. I know. No, I, I get the Stefan Gilmore only has one year remaining on his contract. I understand that. But he's only two years removed from being the defensive player of the year. That seems quite low. And I I was talking to uh to some people on social media about it and just I personally feel that if the Patriots let it be known that they were shopping Stefan Gilmore I'm pretty sure that some of these teams that are in need of secondary help would have coughed up a fourth rounder. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, he is 31 years old, 32, recently turned 32 years old. 
but he hasn't really played with them, and the release just seems so sudden. I'm really curious as to what happened behind the scenes that, that prompted it, because to your point, even though he wasn't playing, even though he was injured, with him being near a return, it, it seems like somebody would pick him up pretty quickly. Yeah, well, I, I do know that um, the New England Patriots asked him to restructure his contract, and he said essentially said, yes, but what's in it for me? You need to give me something in return for basically, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And they said, uh, there's nothing in return. And he said, then there's no deal. And apparently that's what happened last night, earlier this morning, something along those lines. I mean, it was pretty it was pretty out in the open that he was he was angry at the team. You know, before the season start, when they put him on the PUP list, he said that I'm healthy enough to play. I just don't want to. Which is, I, I get it, but I just also, at the same time, I don't get it. Like, what's with these players? Like, I know there's a football podcast, but like Ben Simmons, dude, go to practice. Just play. If you're not happy, play as good as you can, get your trade value up, and get out of there. Don't sit at home on your hands and not want to, like, I, I just don't understand that. There's, I, and I know you're on the same page as me because you, you've got kids that are in sports. One hundred percent. Your value does not go up if you are not on the field making plays. And that's where I come from in terms of my belief on it, because you've got a great player, a great asset in Stephon Gilmore. And if the team can't capitalize on, on getting a good asset for a player like that, what is their motivation to move them? So to me, if you want to be moved, I mean, you almost play nice. And do what you can do on the field, prove that you're an asset, prove that you can put your head down and be a good employee um, and a good teammate. And teams love stuff like that. I mean, it seems like teams would be pounding on the door for that ability to pick somebody up like that. Absolutely. They, they do. Speaking of teams possibly pounding on doors to pick somebody up, what is going on in Dallas just abruptly releasing Jalen Smith completely out of nowhere. I mean, this is a captain of their team, a former Pro Bowler, a former second round pick. Like they've, they, they have, they just restructured his contract, and they are essentially saying, "Here's seven million dollars for you to leave." Yeah. It, well, uh, another head scratcher that makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes because here we are, you know. Jalen Smith, it seems like whenever there's a video um, discussion about him and they're showing his highlights and, you know, just discussing him as a whole, they're talking about his character and how his character is so above board. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's just a team first guy. And, um, you know, he, he suffered that big injury that uh, knocked down his draft stock in his draft year. But, you know, nobody questioned his ability and then everybody raved about his character and who he was uh, in the locker room and for his teammates. So that, that uh, once again, a curious move. But uh, everything I've read so far is that he just did not fit Dan Quinn's defense a- anymore somehow. And I don't know how that is because you've got Leighton Vander Esch who's hurt or, you know, he he's on the Oft field, off injured. the field. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So it's not like they've got a ton of linebacker depth pushing him. 
yeah, I, I, maybe they're just that high on Michael Parsons. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. It just seemed it. Something had to have happened for them to not try and trade him, though. Like something behind, maybe at practice. Maybe he took a shot at Dak during a practice. If he's wearing a red shirt and he hit him, you know, maybe he had, he had something to say to Jerry Jones or. Or it could simply be something like DeAndre Hopkins and um, Bill O'Brien in Houston, where they had a little scuffle in the in the locker room. They're like, "All right, you're done. Right, you're gone now." But I mean, they still got you know they still got a king size Snickers bar in in return <laughs> when they All traded right. DeAndre to to Arizona. Whereas it's just baffling to me that the Cowboys paid this guy to leave. Like, how do I get my job to do that? <laughs> <laughs> it, it just doesn't make sense. And who knows, maybe to your point, maybe it's the same situation where he was asked to rene- renegotiate his contract because they do like what they've seen of Micah Parsons and he didn't want to do it. And, and so the next possible. step is, you know, uh, his release. And that could be, I, I think that we'll get some details out, you know, in the next few days um, once people start digging in, but it, it was surprising nonetheless. Absolutely, it was. Uh, well, we've got a great slate of games. And I can't think of, I know how huge you are on Thursday night games, Brandon. <laughs> huge Thursday night football fan. We've got a fantastic matchup as the Los Angeles Rams travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks in an NFC West battle. And the Rams are coming off not such a great performance, and the Seahawks as well. Um, but these are always fun games to watch, and I, I love these. I personally love Thursday night football because that means that my work week is pretty much over. That means that Sunday is that much closer. That means that Monday night is that close. And then after the Monday night game, you've only got two days in between. And you got football again. Like it's the best for me, man. Oh, I'm how are you how are you feeling about this game? Well, we we saw the Rams come out and really just underperform last week. And I think that, you know, a lot of us um, in, in the Detroit area just chalk that up to an, a Matthew Matthew Stafford game that we have come to know and love around here. Yeah. He's flying, he's accruing all of his stats, and then all of a sudden he has a game like that where, I mean, don't get me wrong, Arizona is no slouch, but they were favored to win, and they just fell flat. So it will be interesting because this is the first bit of uh, headwinds that they've seen in, in L.A. since Stafford has come on board. It's been a fairy tale story up until this point, so... And Seattle, you know, they don't look like the dominating Seattle defense that they have been. Um, no, not at all. Not at all. And so I think that this is, with all of that being said, this is going to be a good game. And I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, right now Vegas is favoring the Rams. And I ultimately believe that that's where it will end up. Um, I do think that the LA Rams will squeak out uh, what will be a close game. And it won't be necessarily because of the golden arm of Matthew Stafford. I mean, he'll be throwing the ball around the yard for sure. I have no doubts about it. But you just look at the Seattle defense, and Seattle is allowing their 32nd dead last in the league in terms of defensive or their defense against rushing yards. 
they allow 152 rushing yards a game. And it's really hard uh, when you have a quarterback like Matthew Stafford who can sell the play action and you're not stopping the run. If they get Darrell Henderson running even a little bit, start to build in that play action, then their lethal receivers start to get open. And by the way, Seattle's 28th in uh, defending receivers. They allow 292 passing yards a game. So it's not like they have an excellent uh, ranking when it comes to defense on that side of the ball. So I just think that the lack of defense from Seattle is going to be their Achilles heel and ultimately lead to their demise in this game. Honestly, it very well could. I I find it interesting how – Russell Wilson's not having that great of a season so far. Like he had a great first couple of weeks. And and honestly, it could just be that Matthew Stafford is having such a fantastic season to start, you know, this this 2020 NFL season. Um I do think that the Rams will probably will possibly come out on top. Um just Seattle's defense ever since the Legion of Boom era, it's just very uh, I don't want to say poor because I feel like that's undermining them too much, but it's just it it leaves so much to be desired lately. It it was just such a strength that be that it's so crazy to see the pendulum swing the other way. I think, you know, here it was the Legion of Boom was just something that the whole league feared, and then one day it was just gone. Yep. So I, I I do I do feel like I'm with you on this one where the the Rams will squeak out a win. Um, I don't think it'll be a pretty one, but I do think that the Rams do squeak it out. I just hope that I hope it that it's a, a higher scoring game because there are two potent offenses. You know I get that the Rams defense is is good, but they can also give up a lot of points at the same time too. Absolutely. So, and if I'm being honest, I'd like Tyler Lockett to have a big game. <laughs> because he's on my fantasy team. No, he's coming. <laughs> um, I forgot. I forgot this whole. Th- Our football Sunday starts at nine thirty in the morning on Sunday, as we send the two best teams over to London, Brandon, <laughs> as ambassadors of the NFL with the New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons over to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the it's it's the New York Jets and the Atlanta Cordero Pattersons uh, at nine thirty. And what an ugly game! I uh, oh. if you, Brandon, uh, if you if you want to grow an audience in Europe, this is not the way to do it. And I get that you have to plan this seasons in advance, and I totally understand that. But damn, <laughs> I am not looking forward to this. I'm not even going to wake up early to watch it. Right? Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, funny game to to see that this is the premier Sunday morning game in England and the thing is though everything that I've read is that they've been eating up the teams even if they're terrible so they pretty much just love American football so much that whatever we send over there is going to be fine by them to that point though this is not going to be a pretty game these are two teams that have struggled Um, I mean we're looking at two one and three teams battling (laughs) <laughs> at 9.30 yeah. in the morning our time. So it it is not going to be a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, I mean, is, is there 
a potential winner. Like if I'm thinking about who's going to win this game, I think it's going to be whoever has a better better travel experience over there. To be honest with you, yeah. Did you fly Virgin or Emirates? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I'm so j- just for comparison purposes, the Thursday night games over under was fifty four and a half. This game's over under is forty six and a half. That's low. It is. Uh, the Falcons are favored by three, as I would expect the Falcons to be favored because on paper, the Falcons should be a decent team. But they're a bad one in three team is is really what they, they, they have no identity outside of Cordero Patterson being a Swiss Army knife and receiving and, and, and being a running back and being a kick returner. And if you take him away... The Atlanta Falcons are 0-4, and they're probably blown out because Cordero Patterson had three touchdowns in the last game. Right. Well, I mean, let's call it what it is. Defenses in the NFL adapt. And if Cordero, Cordero Patterson is having the success that he's going to have, eventually he will be taken away. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's absolutely crazy that in 2021 we are game planning against Cordero Patterson, but that's where we're at. And... So I think that his success, although it be it impressive uh, for a couple weeks stretch, I think it's very good. it's going to be very short lived. Yeah, I I agree. So uh, who are you? Who is uh? Who's your team of choice in this game? You know, I'm with you. Just that you've got to go on paper with the more talented team. When two teams are struggling, I mean that's the only thing you can really hang your hat on, yeah. and. You know, neither it's a neutral site game, even though Atlanta is the home team, or, you know, for all intents yeah. and purposes. But you've got to go Atlanta, and I'm going to take the Falcons just because on paper they should they should win this game. That They absolutely should. Um, on our regularly scheduled Sunday slate of games, uh, we'll start with the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Carolina. And what should be a it should be an interesting game. Jalen Hurts coming off a 387 yard passing game. Um, still Christian McCaffrey list. He is questionable, as opposed to just being completely inactive. Uh, now the full practice report has not been released as of as of this moment. However, it's probably in a safe assumption that he will not be playing. Um, Sam Darnold and Jalen Hurts kind of have very similar stats. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've looked at the stats between them. There is one pass attempt difference between the two of them. One forty six for Darnold and one fifty one forty five for Jalen Hurts. Wow. And uh, Darnold's completed ninety nine of those, and Hurts has completed ninety six of those. <laughs> and there's twenty two yards that separate them. But th- so this is very even on paper. Um. The Panthers are favored by three and a half. It's an over-under of 45, so this is actually supposed to be a pretty stout defensive matchup. Uh, the Panthers' defense obviously is playing well. They did get Stephon Gilmore, as we were talking about. However, he's not going to be playing, so don't look for him on the field. Um, how are you feeling about this one? Are you leaning heavily one way or the other? Or? You know, I I don't know that heavy heavily is uh, the right word for it. I Christian McCaffrey did practice with pads today, so or at least he brought his pads to practice. He was spotted with his pads, so I don't know what that means for his availability come Sunday. Uh, but these two teams do 
very, I mean, they are very similar teams. Um, I think that Carolina's defense is, is more robust and, and I think better rounded than Philadelphia's, mm-hmm. but not by leaps and bounds. Um, I, I think that the one area that Carolina can exploit is going to be the running game. Philadelphia does struggle there. Uh, they allow right around 150 yards rushing per game. So, And Carolina likes to run the ball. And, and once again, give Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's actually been getting to, done on his feet lately. Um, you know, I think yeah. – <laughs> Sam Newton was trending at one point in time. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that this is going to be a close game. I, I think it's going to come down to the wire if we get the good Philadelphia, the v- good version of the Philadelphia Eagles. The The version that we got when they played Dallas just was not pretty. The offense didn't look like they were on the same page. There was a lot of just, you know, Jalen Hurts looking like he was – clueless deer deer in a headlights type looks at times so if carolina can uh, apply that kind of pressure that dallas was applying then you know maybe this does really trend in uh carolina's direction but as of right now i'm thinking a close game i'm giving the edge to carolina just because they've got that um they've got that rushing defense you know up to snuff what about you who are you taking i i think i'm actually going to go with the eagles in the upset and I know it's early, and the first quarter of the season is coming to an end. But you can't go one and four. I know the NFC East, for the last couple of seasons, has kind of been the the weakest division, the NFC least, as people <laughs> like to call it. But the Cowboys are playing well. The Washington football team seems like they have like like they have something to build on. The Giants have a lot of injuries and they're not playing terribly, which makes me want to believe that once they're fully healthy, they're going to be a good team. So you cannot go down and be a one in four team coming back home for, for week six. I think that it wasn't a pretty game. Well, it was pretty Philly. Philly played well for what it was worth when they, when they played against Kansas city chiefs. You know that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to get a lot of yards. You just know that that's something that's going to happen. You have to just withstand the punches. How many jabs in the chin can you take before you go down? And the Eagles hung in there, man. They really did, which shows me that they can score. And I don't want to say score at will, but they could score regularly when the pressure is on. And Jalen Hurts looked like the Jalen Hurts that I called a steal in the draft when the Eagles got him in the second round. And I was very impressed with how he looked last week versus the the game against the Cowboys. And I don't know. I feel like they're, they're going to get it done. I still don't know if they're going to pass or hand the ball off to Miles Sanders at all because Jalen Hurts <laughs> is still leading the team in rushing. But I think Devontae Smith is going to have a, a, a good game. And now with Zach Ertz finally getting back into the fold, they're going to run a two-tight end system. And a lot of RPOs, and Jalen Hurts is probably – I think Jalen Hurts can get pretty damn close to 75, 80 yards rushing in this game. Yeah, well, to your point, what I will say about the Philadelphia Eagles is that they have the ability to adapt their offense to whatever the game plan is. 
Mm-hmm. If they want to do it through the air, they've got Devonta Smith. They've got Jalen Hurst, who's throwing a beautiful ball right now. If they need to do it on the ground, um, they can go up the middle or they can do uh, the RPO with Jalen Hurts and spread the field that way. So I think to your point, if we do see the Philadelphia Eagles with this upset, I think it will be because they've just put together a gem of an offensive game plan. Yep. I agree with you. Um, The next team we've got is the Washington football team. Uh, They are hosting the New Orleans Saints, both two and two. Uh, Washington is the underdog by two points with an over-under of 44.5. So this is going to be another stout defensive matchup. And I'm not liking what I'm seeing from the New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston's got 613 passing yards on the season. It's awful (laughs) for a starting quarterback. He's he's closing in on completing – he's 55 of, of 86, which is not good in the least bit. So if he's trending at some point, if he keeps this current pace up, at some point throughout the season, he's going to have completed less than 50% of his passes. That's insane. That's absolutely incredible. Now, what I don't like about it, Brandon, and I know you and I talk about this all the time, I do not like that Jameis Winston does not use Alvin Kamara in the passing game. That's part of what worked for Drew Brees. Drew Brees was a fantastic quarterback. But part of what worked for him is outside of slinging the ball down the field, which Drew Brees' average his last two seasons was like (laughs) 6.6 air yards. Right, right. Alvin Kamara had zero targets. Not zero receptions, Brandon, last week. He had zero targets. How do you not check it down to, in my opinion – the best all-around player in the NFL. I, I don't get that. Uh, it's really in- inexplicable. And I think that there's a couple of things here, and, and you touched on both of them. One, New Orleans this season has turned Jameis Winston into a game manager. We saw Jameis Winston winging the ball to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, just throwing it, you know, Cameron Brait, just all of these pass attempts in, in Tampa Bay. And then he goes to New Orleans and you think, what if, you know, what if they rein him in just a little bit, but have Michael Thomas running free, Traquan Smith with his speed, hitting him on deep routes. You had this vision of what it could potentially look like. And if they're throwing it deep and taking shots like that, who does that open it up for? Alvin Kamara, right? And so you saw a recipe for, yeah, in theory, in theory, you (laughs) thought, okay, I see what they're doing here. Well, then the season opens up, and here they are handing the ball off. Kamara had over 30 carries last week, and they're running him through the tackles. And you're just going, wow, you know, this is how you're using this guy who is a Swiss Army knife in the backfield, and you've just running him right up the middle. Meanwhile, Jameis Winston is just, you know, tossing these check down passes. So, it's really, you know, interesting how they've started using their personnel in New Orleans, but, and I, I have no explanation for it because it's one thing if it's working, it's another thing when they just are sputtering along. So maybe they make some changes, um, you know, but I think that 
Washington actually has some things to build on, and I honestly think that Washington has a good shot at winning this game. Yeah, I think that this is the game for me where the Washington football team figures out the issues on defense. Because their defense, as, as, of, as of this point, their defense has not lived up to the expectations by any means. I mean, they're 29th in passing yards and they're 17th in rushing yards. So they're not living up to it. Um, New Orleans defense will give Antonio Gibson fits, which is creates a, a crazy and interesting dynamic for me because that's going to force Taylor Heineke to pass the ball more because I don't see Antonio Gibson getting getting much of anything on the ground against this New Orleans rushing, uh, rush defense. So it's – I still think Washington will, will pull off the, the, the win – it could be a last-second field goal. It could be an overtime win, for all we know. But the New Orleans Saints are just not doing enough on offense. And I know that they've got – really, they don't have anybody. They've kind of got the Detroit Lions problem when it comes to their wide receiving core. I want to say, who are these guys? Right. Absolutely. You know, And that's not, that's not a knock on the players. It's just these are all unknown commodities on your team that have not made names for themselves. Deontay Harris could turn into a fantastic player at the end of the season. And you could find people drafting him as a WR1 next year. You know what I mean? Like you right. could, you could in theory think that, but if you're not going to use Alvin Kamara, I'm totally off of the new Orleans saints bandwagon at this point right now. And I think Washington will get it done. They're going to force Jameis Winston to make some Jameis Winston style throws. Uh, there'll probably be a couple turnovers. I could see Montez Sweat and Chase Young getting to him, uh, getting a few sacks on the day. And I think it's going to be an ugly game all around, but I do see Washington coming out on top. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree 100%. Um, we've got the Battle of the Sunshine State, Brandon. Should be a very easy game for the Buccaneers to beat the Dolphins, if, if, <laughs> if we're being honest here. Um, three and one versus one and three with no quarterback. That's that's essentially what we're looking at. However, the Dolphins do show signs of life every now and then, and the Buccaneers show signs of regression every now and then as well, especially on the defensive side. So it's. I think it's going to be a lot closer. The Buccaneers are favored by ten. I don't. Th- I think it's going to be closer than ten. I'd like to think it would be. It depends on what Buccaneers team we get because with the Dolphins, you know what you're going to get. With the Buccaneers, are you going to get the Patriots and Buccaneers game version of the Bucks, or are you going to get the Super Bowl winning Bucks that returned all twenty two starters? You know, I you, you nailed it. I mean, I, I think that that's the. That's going to be the biggest storyline of this game is going to be the inconsistency that we've seen from Tampa Bay so far this season. So um, Miami, they've obviously got their own issues currently with Tua being out and Jacoby Brissett being this, you know, behind center. But I just don't think they have the horses to run with Tampa Bay's offense. So if we just say, okay, the defenses are equal, you know, just on paper, which I mean, they're not too far off from each other, except for the fact that Tampa Bay has the best running defense in the or rush defense in the league, right. and Miami's near the bottom there. 
you know, you can see some parallels in this defense, just how they play. But I think that honestly, you just look at on paper, you've got Tom Brady versus Jacoby Brissett. And then you've got all of the receivers there, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, you know, if Gronk's back, um, you know, it's, I think it met, by the way, I think that was a big issue for what we saw against New England was Gronk not being able to block and chip off and then roll, roll to those, uh, you know, little short rollout um, runs that he does. But I really think that here we've got an underachieving defense in Tampa for the most part. Like I said, they're stepping it up against the run game but they need to start getting uh, more pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And if they do that, and if they figure it out against Jacoby Brissett, I think that that 10-point spread is a minimum starting point as to what this game could look like. And in theory, it should be a blowout based off of the Buccaneers having a much, much better roster. But it's just not it for some reason. And and it's, it's... it's crazy for me to think that there is all of your starters every turn. Now I know their their defense in the secondary has injuries, and I understand that. But it's just crazy to me that you're looking at a team that returned all 22 of their starters that still kind of needs time to gel. Which is a it's a crazy concept, and I have a hard time wrapping my head around that, but. I think the Bucs are still going to win. I don't think I, I don't think anybody in the right mind is going to take the Dolphins over the Bucks at this stage. But hey, you could be a Dolphins homer, and you could like the Dolphins and say <laughs> Dolphins are going to go seventeen and zero, but they're already one and three, so that's not possible, guys. Uh, <laughs> one in three teams. The Pittsburgh Steelers are hosting the Denver Broncos, who will be uh, Teddy Bridgewaterless. And uh, the Steelers, man. Yeah, I got nothing on the Steelers, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even. I don't even know what to think. Um, I do think poor Najee Harris, and that's about that's about as far as my thought process has gone with the Steelers this season. Right. I, well, I think the biggest. So Big Ben is having a rough year, and that's an understatement of all understatements. But. I think it's the defensive side of the ball for Pittsburgh that has actually surprised me more. They're they're doing okay. I mean, they're middle of the pack, but in terms of defending the pass, they're 19th. Um, defending the rush, they're 11th. Mm-hmm. Going into the year, did, did you even have them in the double digits? I mean, you would have thought that both units were top five at a minimum. And so you look at this on paper and – you go, okay, what about Denver? Well, their defense happens to be playing very well. Um, they're sixth at defending the pass. They're fifth at defending the rush. And, oh, by the way, Pittsburgh has struggled on the offensive side of the ball. So it's one thing if you're bringing a strength up against a strength like that, and you know it's a battle to see who wins. But right now, like you said, it, it really looks like they drafted Najee Harris and just said, can you please be our offense? Like, please, just, sir. <laughs> we're begging you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not, 19 targets a couple weeks back. It's just unbelievable 
how quickly the the fall from grace uh, for Big Ben happened. I just think that, you know, yeah, he's gotten through um, a, a pectoral injury, but it just doesn't look good. Decision-making doesn't look good. It just doesn't look like we've what we've gotten used to um, of the Pittsburgh offense. So I think that Denver wins this. And, and we were talking about low over-unders earlier. This game is currently sitting at 39 and a half. So we were talking about 43 being low. I mean, this is going – it's slated to be a defensive slugfest. And so for that reason, I've got to go with the defense that's playing better of the two clubs in Denver. I don't know if you – did you see that the Steelers are actually favored by a point? I did not. I don't I understand. I don't run get over it. to that. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not sure why the Steelers are favored – is it, is it just a discrediting of Drew Locke? I mean, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater, in theory, and that, now this line could change as Sunday as Sunday rolls around. Because if in, in my in my mind, if Teddy Bridgewater plays, the Broncos are the favorite, especially based off of all of the things that you just said, with the Broncos' defense playing at a much higher level than the Steelers' defense is playing. Uh, the Broncos are just moving the ball. They're they're moving the ball better in the running game. They're moving the ball better in the passing game, and their defense is playing better. So it just has to be discrediting Drew Locke as their as the starting quarterback, which that's favoring Pittsburgh by one. That I guess plus home field advantage for the Steelers. But yeah, I, I know we don't do uh, we don't do a lot of betting uh, talk on our on our show, but yeah, I would probably put some money on Denver, especially given the fact that Teddy Bridgewater has not been ruled out for Sunday. He can be out of the concussion protocol tomorrow. And everything coming out of Denver is that he is progressing well. So to your point, we could see a swing in this line. And so although we don't talk betting very often, this may be a game to take a look at. Yeah, win some money and then buy the dip. That's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of dips, ugh. the Detroit Lions are heading up <laughs> to play against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are favored by seven and a half, and I think that's too low. I think the Vikings should be favored more because that defense is finally clicking and hey, Panay Sewell has an ankle injury. I don't know if you saw that yeah. in the practice report. Um, Jared Goff is no longer checked down Charlie like he was his last season in, in L.A. because he's just not passing to his playmakers and Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift when they're on the field and just force-feeding T.J. Hawkinson with – a variety of good and bad passing attempts. <laughs> um, Kirk Cousins is playing very well. However, if you look at it, Kirk Cousins actually only has 21 more passing yards on four less attempts than Jared Goff does. But the Lions are showing the first three weeks of the season, the Lions showed progress in my eyes. And and I'll, I'll let you take over on this as well and see if we kind of align our, our thought processes here. But the first three weeks of the season, obviously they were losses because they're 0-4. Uh, 
I saw signs of improvement, which is what you want to see in a rebuilding season. You, They're not moral victories. They should not be winning some of these games, but they should be improving. And last week they looked, ab- as Simon Cowell would say, they looked dreadful. <laughs> Danny, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we're both uh, Detroit fans and – to your point, Shh, if there was not a more disheartening <laughs> loss than last week's loss against Chicago, man, it, that just it felt like a what could have been a winnable game, and they just went out and laid an egg against a rookie quarterback, and they didn't pressure him. You know, they didn't cover anybody. They couldn't cover anybody. They're, they're down to, you know, guys coming out of street clothes on the in the secondary, and. Once again, I mean, this is not discrediting the athletes on the field. They're just not as good as the people that they're up against. And, and that's all there is to it at the end of the day. And you've got a one in three Minnesota team that's going to be motivated because if you go one in four and one of your losses is against the Lions, that your hopes of doing anything this season drastically reduce so i look at the two teams side by side and yes you pointed out that kirk cousins and jared goff aren't too far statistically but what i'd say to that is how many prevent defenses has kirk cousins played this so far this season because that's been a large part of where jared goff has been able to rack up his stats yeah he's getting a lot lot of garbage time stuff which It's sad because that's where DeAndre Swift is only being utilized, it seems. And, yeah. And he's he's by – I don't want to say by far because TJ Hawkinson is great. But he's a he's one of your best playmakers on your team, and you're not getting him the ball. They should not be – they should not be averaging 101 rushing yards per game when they've got two – Let's be honest. Jamal Williams could go to another team. There's probably about ten or eleven teams that Jamal Williams could go to, and he would be a starting running back. Sure. If he went to Houston, they've got the Bridge Club for men and their running back <laughs> core. Jamal Williams would be the starter, right? Like Mark Ingram, take a hike. Philip Lindsay, take a hike. David Johnson, here's your walker. Go sit down. <laughs> Jamal Williams is taking over the show, but it's just not happening. And I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know what exactly it is, but yeah, I mean, nobody in their right mind is taking the Lions. Doesn't I'm I'm a huge Lions homer. And I know you are too. And I'm not Absolutely. taking the Lions. I would no. I'm not even t- I wouldn't even take the Lions with the spread. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that they've shown even last week. You, you just they. I, I've got to see more before I can have any faith in them because it seemed like effort was the only thing that they had going for them early this season, and that was a great sign because it led to production on the field. And then last week, I don't know that we saw that same level of effort, and that was once again why it was just a pull your heart out of your chest type of loss. Yeah, I mean, three trips inside the five and no points to start the game against the Bears. Like, that's inexcusable. And I hope 
that we don't see that again. I don't care if the Lions lose. They could finish the season 0-17 for all I care, as long as they've shown progression for the future. I've always said in my in the way I look at things, the way I grew up playing, whether it was basketball, track, diving, whatever, if I don't win, I would rather not make the playoffs because that means that, eh, you're decent. I'd rather be bad and know I was bad and build off of that so I'm better. But that I mean that's my philosophy. I don't know like I don't know how you, how you would look at that. You know, you may you may be different because you 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 coach every single sport and your kids are involved in every <laughs> single sport known to man. Um <laughs> but my, that's my philosophy is if I'm the Lions, I'm not playing for a wild card. I'm either playing to get a great draft pick or I'm playing for the Super Bowl. Making the playoffs is in is just means you're going to get a bad draft pick. Sure, absolutely, and I do agree with you 100%. If you look around at our other teams in the Detroit area, the Red Wings are suffering now because of trying to kick the can down the road and compete when they couldn't. The Pistons did some of that as well, where they kind of half rebuilt on the fly and you know, and, and and so they went into the cellar for a little bit. So I think you do. I, I agree with the fact that you've got to bottom out truly before getting into a consistent winning um, culture and, and getting the talent and acquiring the talent to turn the page and be able to be a contender in the future. I agree. Um, the Tennessee Titans are heading to Jacksonville to take on the I don't know what's going on in Jacksonville, but they're taking on the Jaguars. <laughs> uh, the Titans are favored by four and a half. I do not like how the Titans have looked on either side of the ball this season. Outside of Derrick Henry, of course, who is, has 510 yards already. Um, but the Jaguars somehow look worse than any other team, including the Lions. And then they've got the whole Urban Meyer issue with... Shad Khan saying that basically we don't trust you anymore and you need to earn it back. What a mess. What an absolute mess. I mean, I don't think that at any point in time, Shad Khan had thought that they were hiring Tony Dungy or somebody of that character. Mm -hmm. But four games in and we've already got a, worry about and you're an owner of a team you've already got to worry about viral videos with your head coach and that's when you're 0 and 4 it's one thing yeah. if you're out there you're winning games and uh temporary lapse of judgment or you know what have you whatever he does in his time i'm not going to say a whole lot about anybody's personal life but what i will say is that if your team is 0 and 4 and you are not taking the team playing back after yet another loss, yep. and then this video surfaces, you've got many NFL personalities going on TV saying they've never seen a coach not jump on the team plane ever. Right. And here we are four games into the um, urban, you know, the urban tenure, and there's already questions on whether he's going to finish out the year. And you've got You've got a word coming out of the locker room that they never respected him and that this just puts the bullet in the coffin. And then he actually canceled all of the meetings with the team the next day. So now we're talking about 
his personal life getting in the way of game planning for a game that really the Tennessee Titans just lost last week to the New York Jets. This is a team that is underachieving. They're Mm -hmm. down. If there was ever a time to pick up your first win, if you're Jacksonville, you got to think that this is an opportunity to to do that. And so this is just going to be – I think that this is just going to be the beginning of the unraveling of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And let's call it what it is. They don't have enough talent to not be focused. Right. So I think that Tennessee is in a spot for a get-right game here. And I think that they do. I think that you you just look at Mike Vrabel and you know – that he is going to have them ready to play and they're going to come out with fire, you know, lit behind them in my belief. And, you know, if it just comes down to Derrick Henry running the ball 40 times, I think that's good enough to put them in a position to win. I agree. I, um, I'm definitely taking the Titans in this game. However, I am curious to see if Urban Meyer has his team ready to play, meaning they are coming out and they play better than they played against the Bengals on Thursday. I will be able like I think that will that will say a lot about Urban Meyer, the coach. I don't know Urban Meyer, the person outside of all of the headlines that he's in, right? So I can't speak to the person of Urban Meyer. But Urban Meyer, the NFL coach, that will speak huge volumes to him if this team comes out and even if they're on the losing end, kind of how the New England Patriots were to the Buccaneers. They lost the game, but in my mind, they were still winners because they came out and they took on the defending Super Bowl champions to the very last moment of that game. And I would expect to see the same thing from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if I don't, Urban Meyer will officially have been a failure and I don't see him lasting the rest of the season. If they get if they come and get blown out, I'll actually go on record and say this right now. If they if the Jags get completely blown out, I'm talking like forty to zero blown out like we saw Buffalo and Houston last weekend. If the Jags get blown out, Urban Meyer will be gone by Wednesday. You know, that that sounds crazy five games into a coach's tenure. As crazy as it sounds, I can't disagree with that. I think that at this point in time, he is he's in a fork in the road. He's either going to rally his troops and they're going to come out and do it, or I'm with you 100% that they're going to start coming up with a plan B pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, well, we are we brought up the New England Patriots right now, so I guess it's only fair that we talk about those traveling Patriots to the Houston Texans. Uh, Texans are underdogs by eight and a half points, over under set to forty. Everything that I saw from New England on Sunday says that New England is a it's, they're going to win this game, and b they're going to win this game in a big way by more than eight and a half points. I don't know how you feel about that after seeing the Mac Jones coming out party on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Mac Jones, once again, he was the most impressive takeaway of that game. 
uh, between him and once again, the defensive mind of Bill Belichick really being able to keep the Tampa Bay Bucks in check. But you look at this game and it's just such an odd setup because here it is, you've got a, a low over under and a high spread between the two teams. So mm-hmm. this isn't going to be, you know, the slug it out type of game that we're looking at with Denver and Pittsburgh. This is going to be just a team that is able to be somewhat formidable on the field and one that's not. Mm-hmm. I think we saw last week in Houston that there's just, <laughs> there's, just a, there's a lot of ugly in Houston. <laughs> there's a lot of ugly going on in Houston, Brandon. Oh, I mean, it's bad. It's it's brutal. I mean, the the thing for me that that's going to be the biggest difference is if the Patriots defense plays the same way they played against the Bucks, um, they're fourth in the in, in on the season in passing, and then they're also sixth in points allowed. Houston doesn't have the firepower. If that defense is getting to Davis Mills, they're gonna be they're gonna be in trouble. Their only hope is that they get one of their running backs going. They being the the Houston Texans get one of their running backs going. You know, fire up the cortisone shots. Take a few <laughs> ibuprofen. You know, Mar- <laughs> icy hot, icy hot yeah, baths. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man, I, I I definitely do not see the Texans winning. I don't think they're going to get blown out forty to zero, but I do think that the Patriots have a renewed life instilled in them after almost upsetting Tom Brady's coming home party. I, I'd agree with you. You know, they say there are no moral victories in football, but I don't care what anybody says. If you go in with the roster that Bill Belichick has and it comes down to a last-second drive by Tom Brady yep. before suffering a loss, there there is a moral victory to take out of that. So I think that they're going to ride that wave, ride it, uh, into the game against Houston and in an ugly game, I think that they will cover the spread. It just won't be a pretty game to watch. I think the next game that we're going to talk about is probably going to be one of the better games for us to watch this weekend, and that's the uh, Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Green Bay Packers, both 3-1 and one teams. I'm so happy that the Bengals are finally putting it together. As a, as a Lions fan, I really enjoy watching teams that were notoriously bad kind of put it all together and be able to take care of business and rejuvenate themselves. And the Bengals have done just that. Now it took quite a it took a few seasons to do it, but with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, all, all the everybody that's on that team is playing at a very high level. Um, the Packers, you would expect the Packers to win. They are three-point favorites. I guess for for me, it depends on if Joe Mixon is going to play. I know he's questionable. It doesn't it doesn't look like he's going to play. If Joe Mixon plays, I could see the Bengals with the upset. I could see that. I could see that. If you're the Bengals, you want to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. As good as Joe Burrow is. He just is not quite, at this point in his career, a quarterback to be feared as much as Aaron Rodgers is. Right. 
So I think that if you can keep their the the Green Bay Packers best player off of the field, Danny, I think that you've got a good shot. And how do you do that? Well, you do that with your running back who before this week was on the field most of the time. I, I, I don't have his exact snap count in front of me, but it was near the top of the league. And so to lose him would be a big blow because now you're bringing on Samaje P. Ryan and rookie Chris Evans to essentially do what a guy that you had a lot of trust in was already doing in terms of pass blocking and, and things like that. So I could see Joe Mixon definitely playing a key role in this game, win or loss for uh, Cincinnati. Because if you're to look at the other aspects of this game, they these teams are very close in almost all categories. You look they at are. you know points scored, it's you know 14 and 20th points allowed, 19th and eighth. So there's a little disparity. You've got Green Bay score more points, whereas the Cincinnati defense is going to be stronger. And then, mm-hmm. but in terms of the defense, Green Bay is the 24th ranked passing uh, defense, or I'm sorry, passing offense. Cincinnati's 23rd. Yep. Rushing, Green Bay, 24th in rushing yards. Cincinnati, 22nd. And then on defense, they're they're right there in all categories as well. So I think that when you look at these two teams on paper, if they have all of the players that accrued all of these stats that, that were just read off, it should be a close game. And I think Joe Mixon could be the difference for Cincinnati pulling the upset. But I've got Green Bay since it doesn't look like Mixon is going to suit up. Yeah, I think that's the safe pit. The safe bet is is picking the Packers. I think the the thing that's that's cool is if you look at the last few times that they've played, Green Bay won by three, 27-24. Cincinnati won by four, 34-30. Cincinnati won by seven. Cincinnati won by seven. Green Bay by seven. Like, they're so close. And I think that's what's cool. And I mean, this is dating back to 1998. And now Aaron Rodgers actually only played against the uh, has only played against the pack or I'm sorry the Bengals three times, and in, he gets sacked a lot when he plays against the Bengals. I don't know <laughs> if you saw that stat, but Aaron Rodgers gets planted on the ground quite often when he plays against the Bengals. Uh, but yeah, Packers will definitely win, which actually puts a bow in our early slate. Wow, that went by quick. It did. Um, Afternoon games, 405 kickoff. This will be a fun one, too. The 3 and 1 Cleveland Browns are heading out to LA to take on the 3 and 1 Chargers. Uh, Chargers are favored by one and a half, which basically means when you're looking at spreads, um, we don't know who's going to win. That's what that means. When it's, right. <laughs> when it's a one, one and a half, maybe even two, two and a half, that means that ah, we're not really sure. <laughs> yep, it becomes a bit so we don't, Yeah. Yeah, we don't want you to really win money on this game. <laughs> so we're going to put it very, very close and keep it close to the vest. I I like what the Cleveland Browns have been doing. I like how their defense has been playing. But I just – something about this Chargers team, Brandon, is just they're, – they're firing. Justin Herbert is playing at a, at a high level – Austin Eckler's finally getting involved and healthy, no matter if he's limping every other play on the sidelines <laughs> like he was on Monday night. But the Chargers just look so good. 
Oh, and by the way, Keenan Allen hasn't even really gotten going this season. Mike Williams is leading the team in receptions. So it's hard for me to see a Cleveland Browns team that is with a not 100% Odell Beckham Jr. and without Jarvis Landry going into Los Angeles and, and beating the Chargers. So I would agree with that. Um, I, I do think that I would agree with the sentiment that the Chargers are playing really good football right now. But here is where I think that Cleveland gets a leg up. Cleveland is running the ball better than anybody in the league with a earning 177 yards on the ground with their backfield that includes Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt, obviously. Well, you look at the other side of the ball, the Chargers are 29th in the league at defending the run. Yeah. So Baker did not look good last week. No, he did not. He, he, he looked one of his worst games that I've seen him. But they may not need him. If the Chargers don't clean up that run defense and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are able to have the field day that – everything all signs point to then you know baker doesn't have to look all that great and then on the defensive side of the ball you've got the cleveland browns that are playing out of their minds on the defensive side of the ball only allowing 66 rushing yards a game and 183 yards passing yep their defense is stout so that all that being said, they they play on the field for a reason. You know, they don't just accrue stats and and then compare stats to figure out who the winner is. So I could definitely see you know a Baker turnover or something like that, and next thing you know, um, LA's off to the races. But this is going to be, to your point, I agree one hundred percent, an exciting game, and I've just got Cleveland winning it by the narrowest of margins. Oh, okay, going with Brown. I like. It. I, I really like what the Cleveland Browns defense is doing, so don't get me wrong on that uh, on that aspect. But I just I don't think the firepower for Baker, because you know how Baker gets. We all know how Baker gets. If you've ever watched the Cleveland Browns game, and he's not a choker, but he kind of has those Jameis Winston tendencies where he would rather go with the hero throw than the the game manager, you know, field commander approach. Um, I still like the Chargers. Although I would, I would not be surprised if the Browns won. How about that? I'm running for office as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh boy, we've got uh, the Chicago Bears are also heading out west. They're uh, traveling to Vegas to take on the Raiders. That was my Chris Berman attempt. It was probably <laughs> terrible, and I might even edit it out. Probably not. Um, <laughs> so. The Raiders are favored by five and a half. I've got the Raiders winning. Justin Fields is officially QB one going forward. Matt Nagy finally got off of the court, the the quarterback carousel, and it's not going to make a difference in my in my mind. Justin Fields is going to have a probably have a decent game, and I know the Raiders look really bad in their loss, but. David Montgomery is the shining star and the beacon of hope for that Raven or for that Ravens for the for the Bears offense currently, and he's gone. You know he did not suffer an ACL 
tear, which is great news because you never want to see anybody go down for the for an entire season, even if they are division rivals of your favorite team. <laughs> but <laughs> I just I don't think that the Bears are. Uh, I don't think the Bears have enough firepower to keep up with the Raiders. I, I agree. I, I think um, you just look at it. Justin Fields was making sandwiches, having picnics while he was having time to throw the ball last week. And for a rookie quarterback, that's all well and good. And, you know, that can be – that's definitely going to help his development is being put into those situations against bad teams like the Lions. But the fact of the matter is that this team is not going to be the same. The, the Las Vegas Raiders, they're only middle of the pack in defending – the pass, but I don't think that matters. I think that the fact that he's going to see an uptick overall just in defense, I think it's going to rattle him. I think David Montgomery being the, you know, 1A with a bullet game plan uh, for the Chicago Bears to generate any offense, I think him being out hurts them way more than anybody is going to think. I just... You've got to protect that rookie quarterback and you've got to protect him through a balanced game plan or a balanced attack. And I, I just think here, I think uh, Vegas covers and I think they win pretty easily. They've got the second best passing attack in the league and I think it'll be on display. I, uh, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one. I'm excited. For the for the next NFC East matchup, I don't know why they're always fun games to watch when the Cowboys and the Giants play. You know, I I have no skin in the game, of course, outside of being a football fan and enjoying what I what I see. Um, the Giants are traveling to Dallas, so it will be a home game for the Cowboys, who are favored by seven over under a fifty two and a half. So they're expecting some some fireworks in this game because as we know Danny Dimes is dropping dimes this season and Dak is playing at a Dak Prescott level that you would expect him to be playing at. He's already got 10 touchdowns on the season, over a thousand yards. Daniel Jones, like I said, he's dropping dimes. He's got 1,184 yards. I do see the Cowboys winning. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I do see the Cowboys winning for the sole purpose of Ezekiel Elliott is finally back to form. And that's what I've been waiting for for the Cowboys for the last two seasons is to feed Zeke the ball. Uh, Zeke looks great, Danny. I, I think Zeke has heard all the criticism over the offseason. Oh, he's slow. Oh, he's he's done. He's toast. Oh, by the way, Tony Pollard's coming to take my job. He's hearing all of that. Oh, yeah. And... You That's can why he see died it in the tips play. of his hair. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he just looks like a man possessed running the ball. And, you know, like I mentioned, when he comes off of the field and needs a breather, oh, it's just Tony Pollard getting on the field. He's averaging seven yards a carry or whatever craziness it is. They were rated the number one and number two pro football focus rated running backs in the entire league. And you've got a both in one backfield. So. It's yeah. It's you can, thought the Cleveland Browns backfield was good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got to so, go look at Big D. And embarrassment of riches there. So I think that, and I agree with you. Even though the Giants haven't been the best product to watch, these games, these rivalry games, 
are always fun because you never quite know how they're going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, the Giants are going to come in there and give it all they've got. And I don't think they'll come out on top. I think that Dallas will win this pretty handily just because they're playing so well and their focus is going to be on the Giants. They're not going to overlook them because this is a division game. So I, I think that they're going to handle business, but it will be a fun game to watch. It'll start off as a smash mouth, punch each other in the mouth and you know see who takes it type of game, I think. For me, the biggest glaring issue for the Giants is that the Cowboys' takeaway differential is plus seven. Cool. So they're not giving up the ball, and then they're just taking it away from you. Right. Um, they're number one in the league currently. Their defense – and here's the thing that scares me if I'm a Giants fan or is Saquon is starting to get going. We saw that in the last two weeks. You know, he is it, – It's it, it's an uptick every week. You know, two weeks ago he was like eighty percent, then he was eighty-four percent, and now he's finally coming back into true Saquon form. The issue is, is while he's getting healthy, the receiving core is all depleting because they're all getting injured. They're all pulling hammies. So you got the soft tissue or the the soft tissue injuries, which which kind of makes it difficult for Saquon Barkley because he's still trying to get his game legs under him. But the Cowboys are only uh, they're sixth in the league in in rush defense, so it's it's going to be hard for the for the Giants to move the ball. I think, and I think that's gonna that to me that's the that's the big take home and that's the catalyst is that the Giants are depleted on offense as far as their weapons are are concerned. Like Kenny Galladay, I guess is is finally getting healthy. But he doesn't seem, and obviously you know Kenny Galladay from his time in, in with the Lions. He just doesn't seem like he has any sort of rapport with Daniel Jones yet, and it shows. Yeah, I I think that it started. There was an uptick this last week, and I don't know if that's because Sterling Shepard and, or maybe it was two weeks ago, but I don't know if it was because they were missing other pass catchers or if it was truly because maybe they're starting to form a relationship. But last week was the Kadarius Tony show. And so it makes you wonder to your point, it, you know, is Galladay just going to be almost leapfrogged, you know, in the packing order when it comes to receiving uh, targets. Right. I agree with you. Um, Next game has got to be a pretty safe bet. You've got Super Bowl favorite Arizona Cardinals 4-0 hosting the 2-2 San Francisco 49ers, which are probably going to have Trey Lance uh, starting at quarterback. Cardinals favored by 5.5, over under at 50. I see no no feasible way that the Cardinals lose this game because they are the real deal. So I think that they're they are the real deal. And if you look at them on paper, there's no, the only area that San Francisco has a leg up is going to be the defensive passing yards. So they defend the pass better by a whopping one position and three yards. So I, I just think the only way Arizona does not win this game is if the up, you know, the NFL up down theory. They won a big game last week, and then they come out a little flatter the following week. Other than that, 
I think that with a rookie quarterback, even though Trey Lance is extremely talented, can whip the ball around, can run, get it done with his feet, I, I still think that Arizona is just – they're the class of the NFC right now. Yep, they truly are. Um, Sunday night football. I cannot wait for this Sunday night matchup. I might call out. Actually, I'm off on Monday, so I don't even have to call out. I'm staying up. I'm watching the Kansas City Chiefs host the Buffalo Bills in the game that I've had circled since the schedule was released. And so far, it looks like it's going to live up to the hype. Chiefs are favored by two and a half. Um, here's a secret, Brandon. I like the Bills. I think the Bills are going to win this game. Kansas City almost lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are not even half the team the Buffalo Bills are. Man, what what is going on in Kansas City? That, that's the only thing I can ask. Uh, the thing is, is if you look at this game on paper, you're thinking, okay, well, Buffalo's defense is going to be able to take advantage of uh, what has been, even for Kansas City, they've been a fairly inconsistent offense compared to what we're used to. I mean, they're still top 10 in all categories in the league, so it's not a sound the alarm moment for the offense. They're just not bulletproof is the only thing I would say. Yep. So, but guess what? You've got Buffalo that's averaging just as many points as the Kansas City Chiefs are on offense. Exactly the same. Yep. Exactly the same. <laughs> Dead even. So you, you, now if you put those two side by side, and if those are equals, once again, the, the Spider-Man, you know, GIF or the pointing at each other, um, you, you put those next to each other and then go to the defensive side of the ball, this is where it's not even close. Yep. You've got I'm Buffalo, you. number one pass defense in the game, uh, number four r- rush defense in the game, and Kansas City is down 27th and 30th, respectively. Yep. So I, I'm with you. I I, just, I've got Buffalo. Yep. I'm, uh, I know, and I, I see our, our producer is, uh, is telling us that we're getting close to getting close to time here. We got one more game, Monday night game, the Colts and the Ravens. I don't like anything that I've seen from the Colts so far with Carson Wentz and his fluky ankles. Uh, Michael Pittman has been a very, very surprising star for the Colts, and I'm happy to see Michael Pittman Jr. do well. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's finally getting going, but it's the Lamar Jackson show this season. He's finally shown that he can pass the ball no matter how many times his receivers drop wide open passes for touchdowns against the Lions two weeks ago. And it's it's just, I like what I'm seeing out of the Ravens. Ravens are favored by seven for a reason. And it's because their defense is playing well and their offense is playing well. And that's how you win games, Brandon. Danny, I don't disagree with you. I think that you've got Indianapolis just struggling in all aspects of their offensive game, um, especially in the passing game. Uh, Naheem Hines fumbled the ball last week, so now they're running everything through Jonathan Taylor. And I think for good reason. I mean, you drafted him where where they did for him to be your do-it-all back. I would like to see him get involved in the passing game just a little bit more, but you know, I, I think that that will, will come in time. I just think with an immobile Carson Wentz against this defense that is stout against the run, they're just going to stack that box or not even have to stack the box necessarily and dare him to throw it around. And 
I think we've seen Carson Wentz turn the ball over a fair amount when he's put in these situations. So I'm with you. I think that this is Baltimore's game to lose. And as long as they don't make any careless mistakes, then they, they'll bring it home. I, I'm with you on that. Well, that is going to do it for the Week 5 slate of NFL action Thursday through Monday. Can't wait for football to be back this week. Gridiron on Tap is back. We are back every week. Two podcasts coming at you twice, guys. We're coming at you Tuesday. We're coming at you Thursday. It's going to be myself. It's going to be Brandon. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Leave us five stars. Follow us on all the social media channels at Gridiron on Tap. I am Danny. He is Brandon. I will catch you down the road. Do you have any final words you'd like to tell anybody, Brandon? No, not at all. It's been fun. Um, Looking forward to having people tune in and looking forward to doing this again next week and a good weekend of football. Beautiful. We'll catch you next week, guys.